Welcome on this episode of Come In, Close the Door. We're going to be talking about the San Antonio Four. Um, this is a case that I've uh, followed for a while. Um, are you familiar with the San Antonio Four? So I'm only familiar with a very quick, quick synopsis of what I think it is, mm-hmm. but not really familiar with the story. Cool. So I'm going to tell you and our listeners about it. Um, so I've watched, there's a documentary uh, called Southwest of Salem. Uh, if anybody is inclined, please check it on out. And um, there's a lot of resources online about it, but I'm going to give you a little breakdown. All right. And we're going to go over it. Um, off bat, it took place in 1994 okay. in San Antonio, Texas. Um, it, it was regarding four lesbians okay. who were good friends. Um, plus, like, like there's two that were a couple, another two that, you know, were involved with each other. On and off. They're just as, friends. As we do. Yeah, you know how it is when you've got your, your little clicky click yeah. of lesbians. Um, so 1994, San Antonio, Texas. One can... Imagine what that must have been like. Even going to Texas now as a gay person is a little, you know, depending on where you are. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's the friendliest. Uh, absolutely not. And so back in, in those days, I'm sure it was even worse. So I'm going to go over the characters. So it's Ana Vasquez, Butch. And I, I like to classify kind of the way that they appeared because the way that they appeared and the way that they came across and the fact that they were lesbians played a big part in the way that they were persecuted. I mean... We know that, you know. Yeah. We, you look at one and you look at another and they go, that discrimination is yeah. already there. So her girlfriend was okay. Cassie Cassandra, a very femme, very femme girl. Okay. Had kids also. Okay. Um, from there, the next person involved was Liz. Uh, Liz was also an effeminate woman. Actually, she was pregnant when this all took place. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then lastly uh, was a young woman named Christy, who uh, is also butch. So that's the friend group there. Um, Anna and Liz, uh, they went to high school together. They were on volleyball, basketball, you know, ball is life. They did the thing. They did the thing. <laughs> and um, Anna was working at Pizza Hut during this time. So her, Anna's mom, I have to say, shout out Maria Vasquez. This lady is like a treasure. When I uh, was watching the documentary and saw how like down she was for her daughter, just from the beginning, it was, one can only hope to have a mom like that. That's just like a writer. Like she understands her baby. She never made her daughter feel bad or wrong or anything like that. It was dope. Like she was there to do what a parent should be, which is love their child unconditionally without their thoughts of, this is what my kid's going to be. Yeah. This is what I want them to be. A hundred percent. And like she even says, because they were devout Catholics. So she even says she spoke to her priest about her daughter's lifestyle. And she said, you know, I want to be faithful to my, to my church and to my God and to my religion. So what do I do? Do I abandon my daughter? Do I, I turn my back on her? And that, that priest, props to that priest. I don't know. But he said, no, your daughter's going to face so much adversity in her lifetime being who she is. The last thing she needs is another enemy in her mom. Facts. So that was just like, ugh, great. So um, Anna, at some point, was not going to school. She was always trying to better herself, didn't go to school, started working at Pizza Hut. Okay. Okay. And she's delivering pizza, you know, slanging the pies. Doing the thing. Doing the thing. And um, that's when Cassie, Cassandra, 
orders a pizza. She's having like a time with her friends, whatever, orders a pizza. Uh, Anna delivers a pizza and it was on and popping. It was love at first slice, bro. Yeah. Love at first slice. So uh, they started to to see each other from there. You know, there was sparks. I guess in San Antonio, the thing to do is like go to carnivals and do stuff like that. So they started doing all that. And, um, you know, uh, Cassandra was fresh off of being divorced. She's got these two really little kids. She was a late in life. Um, late no. early in life? No. They were all very young, but it was just a situation where she had kids young. They and were she got all married young. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they were all like in their late teens, early twenties type of situation at this time. Like not even that much out of high school. Damn. So like kids having kids, getting married, acting like grown ups. Yeah. I mean it's tough though. But that's the expectation. That when you're yeah. Latin, you know, you you get raised as a girl to be a, a mom and a, sure. and a wife. A hundred percent. And that's the pressure. And I can only imagine back in those days. So um, uh, Anna and, and Cassie, Cassandra, they become a unit. They become a family. They're raising these kids. You know, they're, they're in it. For the long. For the long. Hall. Hall. And so um, now we're going to shift on over to Liz because Liz had her own apartment. Okay. Um, Liz, although she was pregnant and did see men, in her lifetime, from the time she was in high school, was involved with women. And because of that, her parents, her mom, like when she was 16, took her to the courthouse and pretty much like... Emancipated her by force. just forcefully was like, look, I don't want to be responsible for this kid. She gay. She like checking up the deuce, we out. Yeah, we out. (laughs) And so um, Liz's older sister and her husband took her in okay okay but by this time in 1994 um she's living in her own apartment she's living in that apartment and paying the bills by having a roommate by the name of christy so that's how all these women interconnect got it okay all right so uh briefly christy and liz were involved just for a couple of months but they realized this is not working yeah out. like we, we should just stick to being let's just be roommates. homies yes yeah. but because liz had her own apartment she was uh living with she was living with Christy. They were self-contained, self-sustained. Her apartment became like a haven, like that safe space for the four women to just come together and exist. Yeah, and, and you know, we've all we've all been there where we have that one homie who gets out first. Yes. Who does the thing first, and you're like, we're so, going over to her house, right? So they were over at her house a lot, mm-hmm. right? And it's also important to, um, to note that Cassie's family, they were not very accepting either. So it seems like only one out of the... Yeah. The four had accepted. Had, like, people writing for her, yeah. Got it. And so, okay, cool. Um, On one particular weekend, um, Liz had her two small nieces over. Mm-hmm. Little girls. Um, I think the older one was, like, nine, and the younger one was a couple of years younger than her, maybe a year, year and a half. Right? Okay. And um, they were over, cool. This is where we need, need to introduce a character by the name of Javier Limon. Oh, There's always a motherfucking Javier. God uh, damn. So this guy is Liz's brother-in-law. So if you remember earlier, I mentioned that Liz lived with her sister and her brother-in-law. So that's him. Um, so when Liz was living with her brother-in-law and sister, she mm-hmm. was in high school. She was a kid. So they took care of her. They almost acted like surrogate parents okay and um but during that time 
Javier was very interested in Liz. Side eye. Yeah. Like, he, of course. Yes. He was, uh, he was, you know, wanting to get closer to her, writing her letters, calling her his angel. So he was trying to... He was grooming her. He was grooming her and trying to get at her and trying to... Yes. Yeah. He, he Trying to do all of the things that brother-in-laws are not supposed to do to their underage sister-in-laws. Okay? Correct. <laughs> so, um, he also knew that the reason she got kicked out is because she was interested in women. So he knew what time it was with her, all right? Of course, but he could change her. He could He's change the her. One. You just haven't been with the right man. You haven't been with Javier. Right. Oof, Javier. Not Mr. Lamone. So by this time, Javier and Liz's sister were no longer together. Somehow he had custody of the daughters, and the daughters wanted to see Liz. Got you. Okay. And to Liz, it was like, cool. I want to be around the girls. I want to be around my family. She describes herself as a very family-oriented type. Yeah, so, and, and they had taken her family and someone's here. Like, these are my nieces. These are my, like, for real blood, you know? Yes. And, you know, Javier is not, he's not, he's he's noticing, hey, you're kicking it with a bunch of lesbians that are over at your place because they were all kicking it that weekend, right? Um, he didn't like it. But in any, in any event, he takes his daughters at the end of the weekend. They're gone. No one thinks anything of it. The girls were just over. Cool. Cut to a couple of months later, dude, and sisters are getting in touch with the girls. Okay. First with Anna, um, and then with Liz, and uh, it turns out that they're being accused of having sexually assaulted these girls. So they're saying that these four women, including the aunt, like G- like raped these children, like gang raped these little kids. Yeah, and so Fuck. it was it was outrageous to them. They thought okay, this is a mistake, we didn't do this. So they were under the impression, as long as we tell the truth, as long as we're honest, we're going to be okay because it didn't happen. Yeah, because what evidence do they have, right, yeah. of, of something happening? And, and these women, like, by all intents and purpose, are law-abiding women. And when you're kind of a law-abiding citizen, you kind of have this notion of, like, hey, as long as I tell the truth, as long as I am innocent, I'm going to be okay. And yeah. that's just not the way shit works, right? No, not in a world with biases, that's for fucking sure. Right, and this was a really like a, a big witch hunt because as soon as they were questioned by police, it was like, are you a homosexual? Yes. You know, oh, so they're gay. No wonder they rape little girls. Um, question, do you know what satanic mania is? Well, I know the word satanic, which means like, devil or inclusive like devil worship or anything like that and i'm assuming mania means like they were everybody was like losing their mind trying to figure out why all this satanic worship is happening correct so satanic mania is something that took place in the united states predominantly in the 1980s and it has been said that this case is like one of the last gasp of satanic mania so just to give you a we could do a whole episode bro on satanic mania it's crazy but in the 1980s, um, it was introduced into the world. It got into society. It got into politics. It got all the way into, like, the CPS and all of those it's, organizations. It's so crazy because people don't realize that that's, like, just one stone throw away from, like, what happened in Germany with the Nazis. But, bro, like, you don't even have to go that far with it. Like, s- satanic mania 
is the blueprint for what we now know is like QAnon, honestly, because what it is is the belief that there are satanic sects in the world that are interested in infiltrating like children and grooming them through like Pizzagate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Through music, through games, uh, and through the most influential people in their life, like daycare workers, teachers, and stuff yeah. like that, to okay. groom them to be like uh, prostitutes, child pornography, and uh, like sacrifices to, to Satan. One of the biggest uh, victims to satanic mania was actually the game Dungeons and Dragons. Because in Dungeons and Dragons, you can be a, a wizard or you can be like an elf or an orc or a monk and you can cast spells and stuff like that. It was oh, like, oh, no. this is devil worship. You're glorifying murder and the devil and gangs and uh, Dungeons and Dragons in that era like had to fight a big fight to like stay viable because they wanted to shut that game down because it was like brainwashing kids. Satanic mania wasn't limited to to that music as well. Judas Priest, Twisted Sister, My Beloved Prince, all were victims of like you're just pushing the satanic agenda. Prince is too effeminate. Uh, so anything outside of norms. Yeah, like, there was no concept of like freedom of speech and freedom of ex uh, expression because also you're pushing homosexuality, which, you know, if you're a homosexual, you are not God-fearing, you are evil, and so you align with the devil. Was just the thought process back then, right? So um, back then, there was a lot, a big string of like daycare workers and women in particular that were accused of uh, sexual molestation without any real sound proof. It was just, even if you were suspected of being gay or a lesbian, they were like, they were like, you're, you did it. Yes. And so that's a whole other topic that we can get into, but keep that in mind. And any listeners, if you're interested, please do go and do a deep dive on the era of satanic mania. It's coming back in the form of QAnon or, or been back in the form of QAnon for a while now. So during uh, the first person to get convicted, so they were convicted and they were found guilty. And Liz. Can I ask? Yes. Um, what proof did they have other well, than we're going to get right got into it. that. Okay. We're going to get right into that. So they, they were found guilty. And I just want to read off like the the time that they got just based on like what the charges were and how it all came about. So okay. Liz was the first one to get convicted because she was the aunt. And basically the way that they painted it was she was this evil character who was obsessed with the devil who offered up her nieces as sacrificial lambs to these this group of lesbians, right? And so not the harlots. She got thirty seven years, bro. Thirty seven years. Thirty seven years. And based off of what evidence? Um testimony from two like bewildered children who were obviously it just came out that they were coached by the dad and the dad's mom, right? What happened was their grandma caught them playing with Barbie dolls and the dolls were naked and they were making the dolls kiss and stuff and it was like something happened you guys did something over there that caused you to think this way what happened and so then the narrative started to get fed they got taken to the uh, police station interviewed and then it went all the way to these kids' genitals were checked and because they're back in those in those days in 1994 there was like a idea of what a intact child genitalia should look like which now that's been totally defunct there is no way to say this is a perfect genitalia because 
A kid could break their hymen from riding a bike, riding a horse, climbing a fence, climbing on trees, dancing around. Like, there's anything. Anything. And because theirs wasn't like the what the archetype of like perfect genitalia was supposed mm-hmm. to be, they had that. They straight up said, yes, these lesbians must have molested him because that's what lesbians do. That's what gay people do. It, it was all on really no so, real evidence, just testimony that kept changing. These kids, in some testimony, they had guns. In t- some testimony, they had knives. In some testimonies, they were sticking tampons in them. In some testimonies, they were having orgies on bed. They were even saying that they couldn't unlock doors because the locks were too high, but the locks were all, like, at waist level. At, like, normal door level. They did a study about taking testimony from kids. So, first of all, my belief is always believe a child. You do have to have that certain level of investigation and proof because they did a study in where they were at a school with a bunch of kids that were all, like, at very young elementary school level. And they, they took a group of them and said, hey, we're bringing a bunny in, and you guys are all going to look at this bunny, pet this bunny, hold this bunny, okay? And they're like, okay, cool. End of the day, they talked to that group of kids again. They never showed them a bunny. There was never a bunny. But they said, what would you guys think of the bunny? Some kids said, I didn't see a bunny. And some kids described a bunny to full detail, talked about how they held the bunny. That's because kids... Kids, imagination kids want to please adults kids want to tell adults what they think they Be- want to hear and you know why because we're ingraining it into their heads that adults are that figure A that's the person who you need to trust that's uh-huh. the person who you need to believe and god fuck you're supposed to believe your parents and your teachers right because when you're that little yep. nine six eight whatever however old they were who are the figures that are the most important to you? Mom, right. dad, teachers, and your fucking few little friends. So it's, you know, this all happened in 1994. The first person to get locked up um, in about 1998 was Liz. In 37 years, you 37 said? 37 years. Fuck. The others were out on bond for about two years, you know, trying to, like, rally up. Rally up people, even at the end, yeah, the apartment building it took place in got torn down. There was just, they they had no hope. They reached out to the gay community as well, but it was just like too late. Once the the perception is that you're this, this monster, it's really hard to come out of that, right? In the year 2000, a warrant was, was issued issued for the arrest of, of Anna, of Cassandra, and of Christy, and they turned themselves in. That's and it. they still fucking turn themselves they, in. They, uh, you know, they, they turn themselves in. Must have been the hardest thing. I can't even imagine. So Liz left her baby behind, right? Because yeah, she was pregnant. she was pregnant. Yeah. I think she had her baby, and three days later, she was locked up. Um, and Cassandra had her two small children. And it was crazy because those two little kids were so used to Anna that they were like, okay, so if you're leaving, can we stay with Anna? And it was like, no, we're both leaving. No, we're both going on, on vacation. The crazy thing is as well, it, oh, they can't have contact with each other. The inmates cannot talk to each other where they're locked up. Anna, Cassandra, and Christy each got 15 years. But were they all in the same prison by chance? Um, No, they were each in and different the, prisons. All right. I so, mean, I guess talking to each other is a little bit fucking not talking to each other is a little bit fucking easier so this is it bro they're they're in jail they're in there and just in jail like they're they have to register they have to attend like 
child molestation uh, courses in, in jail, you know, like for offenders. And Anna refuses. She, I'm not an offender. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. And uh, you know, one can only imagine. I've personally never been arrested or in jail, so knock on wood. But I can't imagine how these girls. Oh, and, and and just think of being in jail. One is already shitty, depending on what crime you committed. Now you're in jail, known as a fucking child molester. Okay. We okay. know how that shit happens. What happens in jail? To people who uh, are perceived or convicted to be child molesters. But, like, in this specific case for these women, like, now they also have to fucking try and figure out how to survive in jail when they didn't do fucking shit. Damn, bro, when you're... Women are... As... Whatever you think a male, male jail is like, it's as bad... I don't know if even worse, but, like, I've had, like, you know, friends and homegirls that have been you know, to some there in jail, and it's bad, yo. So, like, I can only imagine. So, we're going to cut to 2008. They've all been okay. doing their time, okay? And Liz, she uh, signs up for, like, a right, right a prisoner. A, a Canadian friend. man named Daryl Otto. He's a biologist. He's reclusive. He lives, like, out in Ottawa. His best friends are his dogs. And the moose that lives in Bro, Yeah, bag. you know what I mean? He's, like... Fucking just chilling with his mush dogs. Like, mm-hmm. people actually do that. I thought it was cartoons yeah. and movies and shit. They start writing each other back and forth. And he's like, you know what? Tell me about your conviction. Like, you're in prison. Like, tell me about like, all what, what happened. Yeah. And she's really nice to him, which he was surprised about. Like, she's very bubbly and stuff, considering. Because he knows what she did. And she's like, there's nothing to tell. I literally, me and my friends were wrongfully convicted. We did not do this. And then the next batch of letters that he gets, it's like a really thick envelope with just like everything. And he's astonished, you know? Like he's fucking floored that he there's... cannot believe it. It's literally insane. And um, what he does is he eventually publishes an article about them in 2009. And this sparks a series of like, investigative articles uh, and books advocating for women who have been falsely accused because by now, like it's a firestorm during this satanic panic, a lot of women and gay people were falsely accused of like these bogus crimes against children because parents were panicking at that time because the public was panicking at that time. And me as a Mexican person, I mean, I remember like um, troll dolls Oh, those are satanic. Uh, pitufos. Yeah. You know, have you heard like kind of those, I know, you know? Yeah. So stuff yeah. like that, that all stems from like this whole satanic. I didn't pen. know, which is funny because when you literally, your mom's just like, I don't like that toy. It looks ugly. It looks weird. Yes. And it's like, okay, cool. Then we don't fucking get it. We're not playing <laughs> with it then. I'm not going to play with the devil. But, you know, it's just what it is sometimes. And your parents are trying to protect you from that absolutely right so then all of this is going back and forth they're advocating for these women thanks to this to this man um in 2012 stephanie limon which i believe was a younger niece by now she's more grown up she comes out and she recants her story she full-on confesses that through the coaching of her grandmother and her father and what they told her to say 
uh, her and her sister just went ahead and, and just fucking lied about yep, it. Because they were told like that this is what happened to you. This is what happened to you. And growing up, she said that she would tell her dad, but I don't remember any of this happening. He'd be like, you're stupid because you don't know. And really the, the, the big crutch of it is that that man wanted that young lady. They wanted the aunt. And, and by any means. So um, it was two times that she actually came forward. So only one of them came forward and the yes. other one just like didn't say shit. Never came forward. Didn't say anything. Wow. But that was enough. That was enough for this all to get revisited and for... Oh, for actual fucking detective work and crime investigation to occur? In 2012, November of 2012, Anna gets paroled. <clears throat> and again, shout out to Anna's mom because she's just like her biggest supporter. She loves her baby, biggest advocate. They go and pick her up, bring her home. And as one can expect, Anna is like bewildered at being out. Everything is different. She's... Uh, living life for the first time in 12 years. She doesn't even know what a router is. It's crazy because you think about that and you go, 94, like shit. To 2002. No, so she got locked up in 2000. 2000. Okay, so she got locked up in 2000 when like, like the internet was around, but it wasn't like what it is now. Yeah. You brought up the router, so it's just like, she's like, what the fuck is that? You don't even think about that as as we live with fucking phones in our hands and this poor chick has been in jail for no reason and is like what is what this? the hell is what this? the fuck is this thing in the corner so anna's out um she has to register as a sex offender bro as part of her parole which is like baffling. So I, I was confused when you first said it because, because she was like, absolved yeah no she just made fucking, parole that's fucking crazy so she served her full term well no making parole means you were on good behavior and it's it's seen fit that you can you're done. Got it. Like you're like yeah. a usable member of yeah. society again, a reformed member of society. Yeah, with the caveat it, while you're out there for the rest of your life, you must register as a sex, sex offender. offender. Um, but during this time, at least we have the testimony from Stephanie um, saying, you know, this stuff never happened. And the messed up part is that her dad, uh, Javier, who is like. Him and his mom are like the culprits behind all of this. He's um, threatening Stephanie. Hey, if you come forward, if you say anything like denying what happened to you, I will take your kids away. Basically, he's holding that over her head. I don't know what he's got on her, but she just keeps going. She's She feels bad that it took this long. She misses her aunt's egg and cheese dish that she used to cook. She has to mention. <laughs> like the nerve. I get it. You're coming forward, but damn. Not, not the, the time to bring up, yeah, not to, not the time to bring up the egg and cheese. So she's just like, you know, I'm coming forward because none of this happened. It was just them threatening us that we had to say this, and after a while, you start to believe what's ingrained in you, you know. And so, um, due to that, you know, the case is revisited, and they're looking at it, now. and they're looking at it now, and they're back in court, and um, through a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of the old testimony, a lot of the old uh, evidence, quote unquote, is found to be bogus. You know, that junk science of like the, the hymen, the, hymen needs, yeah. the genitalia needs to look like this. By now, that whole narrative of like the uh, satanic mania has like died down, you know, like people are, have gotten wise to that as well. And so in 2015, 
they're all released. And not only that, I mean, they fight to not have to register as sex offenders. Like, the whole thing is recanted. And by November of 2016, everything is exonerated. And these women could go back to living their lives. So now they're over here and they're trying to, like, reacclimate to society. You know what I mean? Because, of course, uh, prison doesn't actually help reform you. They just institutionalize you. Right. So it's really sweet because I have to say these women... Through it all, all seem like they're still so lovely, such nice and good people. Liz is seeing her son for the first time since he was three days old, like in person, in the flesh, able to touch him and hold him. Um, uh, Cassie, Cassandra is around her two children. She's got a son and a daughter. The son is like rapping over uh, the instrumental of 21 Questions by 50 Cent. And I'm thinking, bro, your mom has suffered enough. don't rap (laughs) leave her alone no i'm joking it was really it's cool like his rap was about like how all of that affected him and i'm sure how could it not right for sure 100 percent. but she's around her babies again and um anna is around her family who like super loves her and side note christy and liz have sparked up again a a romance it was kind of inevitable yeah they they that's Fucking adorable. Gravitated to each other. They, they go to, So they're all just trying to live their lives and also use their story as a means to advocate and and push forward their messages, which is, you know, um, there are a lot of people that are wrongfully incarcerated, and especially there was a lot of per- persecution against the LGBT community. And so, I mean, this is super worth looking into. I highly recommend um, the the documentary that I checked out. Wikipedia has a, a really good resource as well, but it's called Southwest of Salem. Do you know where we could watch it if we wanted to watch it? Like I, the usual suspects, I went Amazon. A, I went, went out of my way to buy it on Amazon. You know, it's through stories like this that um, you show that perseverance. And really, it's it's a twist of fate because if Liz wouldn't have gone out of her way to you know, put herself out there through a pen pal and connecting with the right person. It's just everything kind of ends up being like serendipitous and, in the end. And can I say, we? I know that the niece is fucked up. I know the niece is fucked up, but also when this whole thing happened, they were kids they who were talked children, about yeah. that, you know. Actually, the, the manipulation yeah. of, of, of them. But she at least came forward and, and said, hey, this shit didn't actually fucking right. happen. They told me to say this. They they basically, not only did they force me to say this, now I'm being threatened to keep it a secret when I know this isn't fucking right. But also, they have a reunion shot in this I was going to ask. They, yeah, they, they do them. reunite, and it's very emotional. You know, um, it's very emotional. And the thing that just, like, solidified, solidified to me that Liz and this group, these group, this group of women are such good people the first thing Liz says to this niece is I don't blame you and I love you and that's like such a huge gesture you know you are talking to someone that at the end of the day regardless of age played a part to whatever scale and ruining your life and but you still don't blame them you don't hold it against them you know who the real culprits are that's like a sign of, of an emotional intelligence that's just like fuck did they get paid 
any kind of reparations? I know you said that they got the... Yeah, I believe they did actually sue. It wasn't a huge number, uh, dollar amount-wise. I don't even think uh, any of them made over $100,000 after having sued. But they did get a little something. I mean, you know... Wrong, I mean, but yeah. Wrongfully convicted. I don't think. Last 12 For such a lo- of loss life. of life, I don't know if any amount of money can really make up for that. But all we can wish for these women is that they're out here living their best lives. Uh, certainly appreciate them as advocates. And um, having delved into this story, it really, like, yo, it's refreshing. Like, makes you so grateful for everything that you have, you know? Yeah, I think it also just makes me a little bit more grateful. We talked about our favorite lesbian movies in one of our episodes. It, it to connect back at least we're having at least we're getting more representation yeah so that shit like this isn't as it's okay because it's obviously right. not okay yeah and that's why you know queer gay trans non-binary people want this kind of media out there for us to be represented not just in visual in visual art it's right. not just about a fucking movie being made where I see two girls kissing. It's about knowing it's that like... It's real fucking life. Yeah, it's real fucking life where like, again, these women, if maybe there was a little bit more understanding, the likelihood of that occurring, I feel now, would be significantly less. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. You can't just come up with a confession with zero, zero evidence and use, like you said bullshit evidence like a hymen test which again has been proven to be bullshit thing mm-hmm. and not every... in all circumstances not but in all circumstances, it's but not again. definitive concrete evidence of a sexual abuse um and in this case it's just also showcases like toxic guardians and frail masculinity and... where he's like i why doesn't she fucking want me and the lady like... <laughs> um you know also known as a pinche vieja which is the grandma <laughs> yeah, you know, Mr. Lamone's mother. Yeah, egging on the bullshit. So, yeah, I mean, but everybody we, knows a fucking senora like that that no. just wants is in it for the fucking drama, like, and for no fucking reason, no mas. Yeah, just because they don't like them. Oh, they're gay, evil. You know, and that's what it boils down to. And uh, now it's still, it's still prominent. It's still prevalent. Like there are still places that you will go to where if you're gay, queer, or you know, gender nonconforming you're placed into a particular category, you know? But thankfully, nowadays, this day and age, depending on where you live, you're super accepted. And And that's not something that could be said throughout, like, you know, in 1984. Um, I know we got a little bit more serious on this episode of Come and Close the Door, but um, that's what we're all about. It's never going to be the same old thing. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we hope you guys come in and tune in next time for another episode. Yeah, and um, find us on on Reddit. We'll post our link. Uh, we have a Twitter. Uh, we're on TikTok, ready to go. And uh, we'll post our email. Get in touch with us in case you do end up uh, watching this uh, this documentary. Again, it's called Southwest of Salem. And if you have questions or are interested in us talking about a particular topic, hit us on up. And uh, yeah, close your door on the way out. Thank you.